Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Hey, Porch Community, welcome to episode 43 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor of the Porch Community Church. Here with my friend, media pastor Josh Harrell. Hello, Joshua. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? <laughs> you would think we have just like a pre-recorded intro, it, but we don't. It sounds really good. I mean, it, it does. It does. <laughs> um, except for the people listening, like, no, it doesn't at all. But um, hey, why do we call this the 167? Because apparently there's 168 hours. <laughs> apparently. In your week, if you do According the math. According to the textbooks. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gone back and checked. I'm just taking it at face value, yeah. so I haven't actually checked it. Yeah. There's 168 hours in your week. Yes. And a typical churchgoer goes one hour a week to church. Mm-hmm. So that leaves you with how many hours, Shannon? Um, according to um, my math skills, 167. So with those 167, we want to create content that allows you to Grow your faith in the hours that you're not sitting in a church building, whether it's ours or some church that you go to. Yeah, which has made me stop and go. I wonder if I wonder if we should change, th- but we're never we're not going to change it. it. We're the 167 now, yeah, but yeah. like it's like you know with like statistics and things the way they are about um, you know you and I both read a lot of stuff about what is the average you know person that comes to church like not what but like how often do how they often? come that, and that's a big how like, do they engage shift. yeah. You know, and you know, our church service goes a little bit more than an hour usually, like an yeah. hour and fifteen minutes. But so sometimes our people show up late, so then they're probably getting an hour <laughs> unless they're yeah. But uh, yeah, that is why we are the one sixty seven. So the 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 meaning behind it is that we want to, as Josh said, give you content and opportunity to engage uh, in in thought and in. Uh, scripture and with Christianity in general, uh, to engage in thought and conversation. And fun. Um, yeah. Sometimes. Well, I mean, we make fun stuff too. We make fun of ourselves. A lot. Yeah. As, as we, as we rightly should. <laughs> so, um, thank you for sharing your story last week. Thank you for letting me. Um, I've gotten a lot of great response from it. Yeah. It was, I really appreciate it. Cause I think like we said, uh, with my story and your story, we presented, you know, kind of two different tracks that that both lead to Jesus, um, but in different ways and 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 those things. And so I know that your story uh, connects with a lot of people. So um, I appreciate you sharing that. So did you get a really important message? No. Yeah. So <laughs> Caroline went to the bathroom. Oh, you get one of those things from the from daycare. the daycare. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Caroline. We are so glad that you went to the bathroom. <laughs> and But if you want to hear mine and Shannon's stories, go back and listen to episodes 40 through 42 of the 167 podcast. Yes, because I have lived almost twice as long as Josh, so mine was a two-parter. <laughs> and I have a much longer story. I mean... Yeah, but that's not bad. No, no, it's just what it is. It's just what it and is. And plus, I talk a lot, so there, yes. it's just like many, many reasons why I, that was a two-parter. Yeah. I mean, I would hope you'd have more things that have um, 
help to talk about yeah on your faith journey about than i would yeah that would that's very true very true (laughs) um so we are starting a new series um this coming sunday october 10th i'm gonna make sure i say the date because who knows when someone listens to this yeah Uh, but with that um i also say that because you could go and um you know, you can you'll be able to follow along in the series as well, whether in person or online, online, or YouTube, via our podcast, or via podcast. So, um, starting August tenth, we'll be starting a series, and it's called Exodus. So, I feel yes. like going dun dun dun. But <laughs> you may throw it in, you know, yes. in post. Um, but yeah, so we're starting this series called Exodus. So we're going to be. Um, spending eight weeks in and we're going to be walking through like sections of the book of Exodus. I mean, honestly, you could do a two year series on the book of Exodus. Um, but so in order to kind of get us prepared for that, and I love this, Josh gave, you know, through this idea out and I love it is that, that we need to kind of prepare for the Exodus because mm-hmm. the ex well okay let's do this so here's the definition of Exodus from Merriam-Webster okay okay um, that the word itself was adopted into English from Latin so there's the Greek it's the Greek word exodos e x o d o s right we have the u in there and so it and here, I didn't know this it literally means the road out. Exodus, the road out, or some would say the way out. But the Greek word was formed by combining the prefix ex um, and hodos, meaning road or the way. So ex meaning out and hodos meaning road or way. So the road out. Um, So that's like the literal meaning of the word. When we talk about Exodus, uh, we are talking about the, the liberation of God's people, Israel, um, they had been in slavery for 400 plus years, 430 years. This was somewhere in like the 13th century BC, and they are under the leadership of Moses. And it's this it's uh, this Old Testament book that describes this. And so, it is a moment, is a, it, it is an event, but it's also a book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So what we uh, what you thought would be really a good idea was talk about how exactly did the Israelites become slaves in the first place. Right, because, you know, the comp, like, it's almost like people go, Joseph and the Dreamcoat, you know, story uh-huh. of him becoming Pharaoh's number two, uh-huh. to, like, the next major story in the Bible is Moses coming and calling yeah. his people out. Yeah. So what happens... Let my people go. <laughs> I don't... Sorry. So... I re- yeah, like what went on. What what happened? Like that's gonna be like that really sets up Exodus. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, if you go from those sto- two stories, you go, dang. Yeah. They were like, um, killing it. Yeah, because <laughs> Joseph is yeah. Egypt is the center of the world at this point. Yeah. And yeah. Joseph's number two. Like he is literally basically the vice president of the world at this point. Mm-hmm. A Jew. Mm-hmm. And so, how how do they go from? Uh, almost in charge. Yeah. Just within like a couple chapters. Uh-huh. Go to they're the ones building the pyramids and they're the slaves. Right. Right. What happened? Yeah. Well, um so how they became slaves uh before they can be liberated, how like how did all this go on? What what we have to do is you you have to look into both the book of Exodus and proceeding like in the book of Genesis 
to follow the storyline of Joseph to find out. This was very interesting to me, Josh, as I was as I was looking into this. Um, I did not realize, and maybe it's just ignorance on my part, but there are a lot of Jewish um, theologians and some Christian theologians who doubt the uh, the historical accuracy of Exodus. Um, they there is a there's a large group. I mean, you could Google it and find it that say that there's there's not uh, any archaeological evidence to show that the Israelites were in Egypt for 400 years and that there should be. Uh, I found that I was like, what? I didn't. Know. Um, and they and the other thing I found interesting was that they doubt if it was actually in Egypt where they were in slavery or they were in a land like Canaan which was under Egyptian rule. Oh. Now, I'm not saying I, uh, that's where, you know, that's what I think or no. I don't know enough to know, um, so I take it where it is. Uh, I'm when saying Scripture they're in Egypt. Scripture says in Egypt, that's what I'm going to take. Um, and, you know, it almost makes you think of like, um, <clears throat> uh, like in more modern times when at one point, Goodness gracious! What what was the term? The sun never set on the British Empire because yeah because they had uh, dominion over mm-hmm. so many lands and places across the globe right um, and so you know they would say this is the British Empire and the, but you would ask the they people were that were there and they were like no we are yeah. you know African or whatever you know right, we could right, say right, yeah. they were so anyway I just found that very interesting that's kind of a side note. That's a good thing um, for the listeners to look up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, check that out. But um, so to start with, how did they get in this place? It's important to remember uh, that. Um, so the sons of Joseph, right? Who um, the sons of Jacob, and heirs to the Israelite legacy. How they all end up in Egypt. So the Israelites actually live first they are in canaan that's where they are right and this massive seven-year famine strikes the land now i'm not going to go so far back to where joseph is with his brothers and they he was a punk kind of and and talked about his dreams and his older brothers didn't like it and they despised him and i said i wasn't going to go back and do this and they ended up like sending them off and he ends up in egypt um they tell their dad he's dead and he through a series of events and because of his gift of being able to have these visions and dreams rises up to as you said josh like he's basically the second would you say like the vice president of egypt i mean so he is way up there and and this is where joseph is so he has um this famine because of this famine jacob he predicted yeah right his dreams that's right So because of this famine, Jacob, the father of all Joseph and his brothers, he traveled with his extended family, but Joseph is now in Egypt. Um, He had about a family of 70 or so, they say. I don't know how. Yeah. Um, So they travel to Egypt both to live in better conditions, but at this point now they also realize that Joseph is alive. And so there's like this... Mm-hmm. Reuniting, right? And it feels so good. Um, Joseph's wisdom. I like how you um, keep hitting seventy songs. <laughs> well, it's kind of what's in my. <laughs> but then, like Donny Osmond plays Joseph a lot. Oh man, I was never a big Donny Donny Osmond. I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I remember I, the t- there was a TV show, the Donny and Marie show. Yeah, that I remember. Um, One was a little country. One was a little, One rock. little rock and roll. Yeah. Anyway, so um, Joseph's wisdom had 
as we said, impressed Pharaoh of Egypt to the point he was now, he's the viceroy, he's in charge, second in power. And because he predicted the famine, uh, here's what happened is that, you know, it, when you look like historically, it'd say like the Pharaoh, you know, uh, stored up food, 12 courses because of Joseph's dream. And then they gave the, the, you know, the instructions to store up, store up, store up. So when the famine hit, Pharaoh is in the perfect position, perfect position to feed people. Right. Um, not just themselves, but others as well. And so he helps everyone. Like people would come for food, for grain, whatever. But he does this in exchange for their land and their labor. And I'm not talking about the Israelites at this point. I'm talking okay. about just Egyptians. Okay. So, and, and maybe surrounding peoples. Um, so this is not yet the Israelite slavery. Okay. Uh, but here's what we read in Genesis chapter 47. So this is pre, you know, before Exodus, verses 19 to 20. It says why these are the uh, people, these were not the, um, the Israelites saying this, but they're asking, why should we die before your very eyes by us, by us and our land in exchange for food? So it had to be very dire. It mm-hmm. had to be, I mean, they knew... And then they said, we offer our land and ourselves as slaves for Pharaoh. Just give us grain so we may live and not die. And so the land does not become empty and desolate. So now Joseph is second in command. So he's acting on behalf of Pharaoh. Right. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. So there were individual landowners. Mm-hmm. There were people who owned land that had land that was theirs. And now... Egypt has purchased it, and this or, is a, or Pharaoh has purchased it. And this it. is Egyptian yes. land at this point. Yeah, all, yes, okay. this is Egyptian land. So, And it says, all the Egyptians, this is verse 20 of Ephesians 40, chapter 47, all the Egyptians sold him their fields because the famine was so severe, and soon all the land belonged to Pharaoh. Whoa. So this was the setup. Yeah, think about this Talk like about politically. Talk about a political move. Right. Like think about this like like power structure, um, uh, centralizing like control everything. and everything. Uh, so in the span of just a couple of years, Pharaoh becomes more powerful during the famine than before the famine. Mm, wow. And... He has taken, Pharaoh has taken on most of Egypt now as slaves. Now, this could be, you know, they were just indentured servants. I mean, they're just, but they are working for the government. They are working Mm -hmm. for Pharaoh. Um, Whatever they did was, you know, I'm sure they were given enough food to eat, but everything else went to Pharaoh. Like there was no, I mean, this is like a, you know, I, I try and think about this in like a, a modern sense of how, how would that look in our in our current context? And I just I'm like, wow, that would that would be really scary. Yeah. Um, but yet there's some who would say, no, that's that's OK. Like, go ahead and, you know, I mean, you look at, at, at communism, you look at um, I, I wouldn't say this was a socialistic type move because that's this was more of a, you know, there is a. You know, totalitarian yeah there's someone in charge and yet um, who's controlling all the things and it's just really interesting to me so so Pharaoh has taken on he, he has Egypt Egyptians as slaves and workers he owns all the farmland 
And this, so what's occurred in these brief few years is quite, it's a really radical shift in the political landscape of Egypt, which the text tells us that these individual landowners had sold their land because otherwise they wouldn't offer their land. You know, you, you don't offer something that's not yours. Like, right. hey, me and my family are starving. Here's my mortgage. You know, well, you wouldn't, because some people would say, well, was it really their land? Yes, it was their land. There yeah. were individual landowners. So um, <clears throat> with, with a lack of this, of, of um, like I said, there's now a more centralized power. Uh, any future Pharaoh, like this Pharaoh and any follow, can now do whatever they want, because mm-hmm. this would just pass on. Yeah. Um, and now this same centralized power comes back to hurt the Israelites 400 years later. So this is, you got to remember the time frame. Okay. Um, because in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, what we find is it says, eventually a new king, a Pharaoh, came to power in Egypt, obviously. I mean, this is over a period of time. He came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. Mm. And that's important. Yep. Because... The importance of not knowing Joseph is because um, there was no sense of, wow, Joseph and his people, mm-hmm. Joseph the Israelite, um, who was favored among Pharaoh and who had, like, there was no sense of we need to show kindness or appreciation or right. anything. And so during that time, so the the Jewish people, they're, so they're living. Some are living in Canaan. Some are in Egypt e- itself. The importance of uh, th- these next 430 years, what it does is, and Scripture shows us, is that the Israelites prosper. They do quite well, and then they also wrap. They they they're having babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they've multiplied in 430 years to about what they think is three million people. Off these 70 people? I don't know. I don't know. Is it just Jacob's lineage? Uh, I don't know that. I'm not sure. I would need to go back and look at that in more detail. Um, But that was one of the things is, as I was writing my notes, it's like, okay, that's, yeah. Do do we go from 73 million? I don't think so. I think there were others. Yeah. Well, because there were more Israelites at that time than just Jacob. Yes. Oh, yes. Like, he wasn't the only well, patriarch. Well, of... Jacob, his name was changed to Israel, and he yeah. became the Israelites. So, honestly, it could be those 70, or they could have... Um, I mean, they, they became... Yeah, it, they were the people, it, so... It, it's that weird aspect of, like, did Adam and Eve have more than, mm-hmm. more than two kids? Yeah. You know, like, it's... Because Jacob comes from a direct line. Yeah. And then, do you... Do you know about his brothers and sisters to where they actually ended yeah. up and all that? Well, so it's and I wonder like it's not from actually the, addressed. Yeah, I wonder from like a math standpoint, you know, uh, which again I'm not very skilled in. When you go from seventy people to three million over four hundred years, is that possible? So I don't yeah. know. So you could. Um, it'd be interesting to look into. So, but h- here's the thing. So you've got this very powerful Pharaoh who has all this land and wealth and power. And um, Egypt, certainly, they didn't just remain within their boundary of their country lines. I mean, you know, they had you know, lands and, and other people groups, and th- their power went out outward. But the number of the um, Israelites was so great that the 
the Pharaoh, who knew nothing of Joseph, which I find interesting, like historically, like how did they, but I don't know. There's stuff I don't know from 400 years ago. So that, I guess it's actually not too outrageous to understand because Pharaohs would, like, if they didn't like their predecessor, uh-huh. they would erase all knowledge of him. Oh. And that's actually how, like, some. Like some pharaohs don't actually become known until they find their um, uh, mummy. Wow! Because they've been like wiped out of like uh, historically. Historically, they... there's no there's Ooh. no calligraphy of them. There's no calligraphy. Yeah. I like that. That's yeah. not what you meant. Hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics is what I meant. <laughs> but there's no hieroglyphics. No really like... fancy writing about them. <laughs> no. But like they would like chisel their chisel mm-hmm. any references to wow. them in history out. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Like one guy like so that does eliminated his dad in history. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. So if you take out an entire generation mm-hmm. and any references to something that happened in that generation, then it's gone. it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So the current numbers of the Israelites, close to three million, uh, Pharaoh was nervous because they were there were so many of them and, and the ability to control, which when you think about that's exactly what this system had set up from the from the famine. Um, a very real concern was that if enemies of Egypt wanted to come and, you know, take, you know, fight them, you know, war against them, try and take their land and their, their stuff, that it, they could, an enemy could influence the Israelites in such a way that you would have like the enemy right there within and they could, you know, fight from within and, and destroy you. So he was very, so here's what he did. He decreed that the Israelites should be like many others now, like they did 400 years ago, that they should be enslaved and used to build cities and roads for their giant empire. And, and this is like, <laughs> um, I mean, when you look at the text, it's really interesting because like he really was like, I want them to be so tired from working that they are too tired to have babies. <laughs> like, that's, like he did not want them. Wear them out yeah, that hard. Yeah, so it's like they we do not want anymore. And he went to the extreme of saying, and I want the male children, any male children of Israelites to be murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, this was the extent. And so the the war, and, and that was kind of how this sets up. Now, the work that the Egyptians forced on the Israelites was, it was very cruel in nature. It wasn't just, hey, I need you to go work really hard for 40 hours this week. Uh, I want to share with you a couple of scripture that show just how um, difficult it was because under a, a previous you know, Pharaoh, the Israelites had royal permis- permission to live in the land. Mm-hmm. They were favored. Um, they had permission to work the land and, and, and live in it. But now here they have this new Pharaoh and he senses this threat. And so he, as Exodus chapter one, verse 10 tells us, he decides to deal shrewdly with them. Um, and, and so here's the work they're given. It's described as extreme harshness. Um, they were ruthless towards them. We read that in Exodus chapter one, verses thirteen and fourteen. Also in verse fourteen, we find that it the work, it, the, their intention, the Egyptians' intention towards the Israelites was to make their lives bitter. Mm, yeah, I mean that's that's horrible. And then you also read in verse fourteen, uh, and then over in uh, Exodus chapter six, 
that the work they did was hard and it was a it was a hard cruel service that they had so i mean they were really like working them to the point of you know just uh, you know right before death like they were just working them working and so we read in exodus chapter 3 and exodus chapter 6 that that Israel it they languished that they were in misery and they were suffering and here they had a broken spirit mm-hmm. i mean this is how much this enslavement um meant to them now the word slave uh the hebrew word is avadim and it's used to describe the slavery that the egyptians who willingly entered into bondage over you know, during the famine 400 years ago and it's also it's the same word that's used to describe the israelites when they're enslaved you know 400 years later and so this is how the israelites find themselves in slavery for over four centuries i mean 430 years mm-hmm. over four centuries and so they this is where they are so there's a pattern that um Pharaoh saw, okay, famine came, and this opportunity presented itself to have power mm-hmm. and and to take on land and everything. And so it created like this, I don't know, machine of power and the structure that goes with that, and then the people needed to make that power structure machine happen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I was actually I wanted to make sure I was saying the right one. Uh-huh. Um, the Pharaoh that was during this time is Ramses II, uh-huh. who is considered the ancient Egypt's greatest Pharaoh, and how he lifted the the Egyptian people from indentured servitude because they put the Israelites into it. Yep. Yeah, and it's the most prosperous prosperous time of ancient Egypt. Yeah. So there was a a um, I mean, and it makes sense because. Um, now you've got this 300, or excuse me, 3 million person workforce yeah. of some sort and you go, Oh, well now we can let. And so th- then that power structure and that cultural and social structure starts to change as well. It's not just Pharaoh who's, um, it's now the Egyptians are like, yeah, we're better than the Israelites. You are slaves. We are not. And you have to think if you have been, um, if your history, just just even your family lineage. So let's say, yeah, like you said, the pharaohs would maybe erase certain other leaders because they didn't want mention of them or whatever. But let's say just like the Harold family, right? You're like, yeah. wow, we're Egyptians. And yeah, my great-granddad was a slave and then my grandfather. But you know, things started to get better. And then my dad, you know, actually then we were able to kind of move out of that because now there's this whole other group of people to be slaves. That's going to change the way you look at those people. Mm-hmm. And so you can see how a, a, um, a system is put into place to, for the Israelites to be hated. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, which you see over and over again, not just in Scripture, but even in more recent history in the world of the hatred towards um, Israel. And so mm-hmm. that's just a really, really crazy, crazy thing. So, um, but yeah, so, so when you talk about the, the slavery of uh, Israelites, you, you really have to go back 400 plus years to um, when the Egyptians went into slavery to see how this whole model was developed and, and established. And then here it was ready. Okay, we got 3 million people. Let's put them into work. Into work. Yeah. yeah. So, 
So yeah, that's the setup. What do you have? You you what are you reading? No, I was oh, I, yeah. I was just making sure that um I was reading about Ramsey's a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the amount of the work that he made them do uh-huh. is the stuff that we look at ancient Egypt uh-huh. and go, Man, that's amazing. Yeah. And then you and then you put and then you put it on the backs of the people that built it. Yeah. And then you go, Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, how many people died in the process of exactly. building like that, making the that? The pyramids, the great cities. The road, the, structure. the road structure. I mean, like, that is something that's, like, we take for granted, yeah. like, how we got here today. But, like, that was, like, a, yeah. Yeah, so. The it, ability to do yeah, all that. Just, like, everything that um, Ramses II is credited for and he's considered mm-hmm. such a great uh, thing was built on the On Israelite. the backs of three million is, Jews. Jewish people. Yeah. yeah. And so when we come to um, the beginning this this series in Exodus, uh, what we'll find is um, there there's a need for redemption. There's a need for restitution as far as like restoring the people. I think about their broken spirit mm-hmm. um, that that God declares and reminds many times to Moses, who has this whole other you know, incredible story. Um, that that he's never forgotten them, um, even in spite of uh, their disobedience, um, his promises for them, his covenant uh, remains, and he he will carry this out. And so we start to see the establishment of how God is going to do this, mm. and that's what Exodus mm-hmm. does. So we're gonna actually, it's interesting uh, to me, uh, but we're gonna start this series actually in the middle of the book of Exodus because it's kind of this, there's just really call in the in-between that, uh, that happens um, in the book that okay. I think sets up where they've been and where God wants them to go. So we're going to actually start this Sunday in the middle and then the next weeks we're going to go back and then and like work through We're going to start in the wandering? Um, we're going to start, um, no, they've done a little bit of wandering. They've done a little bit, but not much. Um, okay. they've, no, they've pretty much, no, I say wandering. No, they've, they've, they've done some marching. Marching. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, this is a pre, you know, Mount Sinai. They're, they're, gotcha. they're at okay. the place. So, but we're going to start there and, and talk about the in-between. And, um, and I think that, you know, this Old Testament book about, the historical aspect and and the covenantal you know aspect of who God is with His people, all these things. I also, without a doubt, believe and see how in twenty twenty one there are there are people there are individuals, families, persons you know who are who would say they find themselves in the in between, mm. and we're going to look at God's word and see what He has to say to us in that. So. I look. I'm. I'm looking forward to, uh, to this message that I've that I've been working on for this. So, so yeah. So there we go. That's that is a very, uh, you know, kind of didn't go super deep history right. into how they got into slavery to begin with. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, it re- it really does connect those two stories. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you just go. He was he was so high up, and then. I mean, some people don't even Boom, re- yeah. and some people don't even realize how much time has actually passed, right? Because you know the Bible. What? How? How long does the Old Testament actually cover? It's like uh, it covers. 
I mean, I don't know. I know we talked about it before. I we don't talked about it before when we had it drawn up, but is compared to how much time the, the New, New Testament, Testament yeah. covers, it, New Testament is almost like a working yeah timeline. Like it's yeah, next no, thing, next it covers thing. like centuries and centuries. I yeah. don't know. So that'd be interesting to to look up as well. So, but then, but yeah, so just trying to connect these two stories because one doesn't happen without the other. Right. You know, so uh, how how they got from a pa- place of power and prominence to mm-hmm. to Egypt is literally built on their backs. Yeah. Uh, some some say, according to the Googles, that the Old Testament covers more than uh, 1,500 years. Um, so the chronology of the Old Testament... Um, so that's that's one one covering. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any others that that um, say differently, but yeah. Um, which I kind of go, well, that's not that's a not a lot, lot of time. That's because not, no. if they prospered for 400 years and then were slaves for 400 years, that's 800 years. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a lot of. Well, no, they didn't. That 400 was between Joseph. Coming in, or, or the famine starting, and then now they're Being becoming slaves. slaves. So yeah, yeah. Um, and then a, it's considered that the New Testament covers about four hundred years. Mm. So in that regard, it's almost it's more than three times yeah. that of the New Testament. Yeah. So yeah, hmm. interesting. All right, well, um, we're set up. We're yep. set up for. I'm, I'm excited. For I'm excited about. Uh, Anytime we go into the Old Testament, I'm really excited because I'm a history buff. Yeah. So I love. Yeah. I love the the hist because the Old Testament ties mo- more to actual events and people mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. than necessarily a lot of the New Testament. Right. It's more about teachings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like the Old Testament is about it. Like it has events tied to everything. Yeah. I'm super. Like, yeah. That's, that's they have a lot I, like, more historical. More yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Porch Community, for being a part of uh, episode 43 and listening in. And like I said, um, if you're listening to this at a later time, we're going to be, this is the pre to the October 10th um, Exodus uh, series we're doing at the Porch Community Church, so you can check that out when that begins. So, But we look forward to spending time with you guys this Sunday and next week. And um, yeah, we'll see you then. See you, bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.